and illness can become an all-consuming experience. Hi, and welcome to I Am Not My Pain podcast. I am your host, Melissa, a chronic pain sufferer for over 20 years, and I know firsthand how pain can easily take over your life and isolate you from others. But the truth is we are so much more than our pain and illness, and we are not alone. There are millions of fellow warriors on their own journey. Join me as we hear real stories of people living with pain and illness, their challenges, their victories, and the treatments they use to get through the day. I am not my pain, and neither are you. Welcome back to I Am Not My Pain podcast. One of the most universal feelings the chronically ill experience is the feeling of guilt. Guilt for not having the ability to do what we once could. Guilt for requiring help and putting stress on our loved ones emotionally, physically, and financially, and so much more. We can begin to feel like a burden, maybe even worthless, creating a tremendous amount of shame around living with our condition. What all causes this guilt? After all, no one wants to be chronically sick. So why is self-blame all too common? And how do these feelings of guilt and of being a burden impact our mental health? And how on earth do we manage it? To discuss her experience is my fantastic chronic illness warrior for today, Kathleen Nichols, or Kath. Kath is a published author, a freelance illustrator, and an award-winning blogger and advocate living in Scotland. At the age of 22, she began suffering with pain and having limited use of her legs, followed by crippling stomach pain. She was diagnosed with arthritis at 25, and after another year of hospital visits and not being able to eat or drink anything without horrible pain, she was diagnosed with Crohn's disease, a chronic and painful disease due to the inflammation in the lining of the digestive tract. Kat subsequently required surgery and now manages her condition through a variety of treatments and medications. She openly shares about living and coping with her health challenges by writing. She maintains her award-winning blog on her website, www.kathfantastic.com, and has additionally written several books on living with Crohn's. Her first published book, titled Go Your Crone Way, A Gutsy Guide to Living with Crohn's, was created in hopes of making life a little easier for those with inflammatory bowel disease and for their loved ones. More recently, she wrote My Flare Lady, a handbook for today's disease dame. I love these titles, which provides advice and support for her fellow dames with IBD. Kath understands the chronic illness roller coaster and hopes by sharing her experience, she will help others have a less turbulent ride. Kath, thank you so much for being on the show today. Hi, thank you so much for having me on. It's an honor. Oh, thank you. All the way from Scotland. I'm, I'm, getting worldly over here. I'm loving this. So I know it's incredible. Well, could you share a little bit more? I know I've touched on your story, but could you share a little bit more and kind of the symptoms you have to currently manage? You gave a lovely, a perfect abridged version. I usually get quite long-winded when I have to tell my origin story. So We all do. (laughs) Um, Especially with people that have also got chronic illness, you just get carried away. So arthritis was the first condition that I was diagnosed with officially in my early 20s 
and I was trying to make sure I calculated this correctly before I came on, but it is about 13, 14 years ago, which seems extremely depressing <laughs> when I think about how old I am now. But so then about a year after that, I started experiencing the stomach pain and initially I was diagnosed appendicitis and I was about half an hour away from getting my appendix out when a consultant thought maybe it's Crohn's disease so eventually I was diagnosed with Crohn's and less than a year later I had my first surgery for Crohn's so I've been living with that for many years now and I've been through a roller coaster of different treatments and medications and nothing has really worked up until I started um, using Eustachinimab. I think in America you call it Stellara. Um, mm-hmm. US IBD people can correct me on that, but that's a treatment that I self-inject now every eight to 12 weeks, and that keeps my symptoms really well under control. So I can live a relatively normal life as much as possible. Aside from my Crohn's and the arthritis, I have a lot of other joint pain. I have a lot of nerve damage in all parts of my body. These are all things that kind of stem from autoimmune disease. So that's something that runs in my family. So yeah, a lot of different different symptoms that I have that have come from Crohn's that I'm find now more difficult to manage than my Crohn's, which seems ridiculous. But and also alongside that, I would say there's mental health issues that have come from that, like extreme like chronic anxiety and depression that comes and goes, depending on how ill I am. So yeah, there's a lot of symptoms, but they all ebb and flow with how well or unwell I am. So the Crohn's yes. for the most part is, is well controlled, but it's all the other things that come along with it that can can be the ones that overtake your life. So for mm-hmm. now, I'm relatively well. <laughs> right. With Crohn's, I mean, you can get flares, right? I mean, things can flare. It can stress flare Crohn's. I mean, I, I know a little bit about Crohn's, but I was curious. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Stress, stress is, I would say for me, it's the biggest trigger to, to cause my Crohn's to, to flare up stressful situations and some on some occasions I've been in the middle of an argument and I felt my Crohn's start to flare up it's quite it's quite strange um or if I feel myself anxious about a situation that's coming up or a something I'm worried about my my Crohn's will actively flare so um yeah for me it's the biggest trigger and I try to learn to manage my stress in the first instance so that this doesn't happen um Mm -hmm. obviously it's it's a bowel disease so that can also come from the way you eat things you eat things you do with your body so all of those things are factors but for me personally I've learned that my biggest trigger is is really my mental health and my stress my stress levels yeah it's amazing how the body responds to stress yeah and I don't think people realize anyway I mean I struggle with chronic constipation due to my medications and they've kind of dabbled with the IBS you know irritable bowel syndrome diagnosis for me, but I don't think people realize how painful an inflammatory bowel disease is. I mean, they they thought you had appendicitis. That's how bad the pain was. So I I just want the listeners to really grasp what Crohn's disease, you know, really can affect in a big way and can be very painful, like very painful. Yeah, absolutely. I would, I would say I I was talking to someone about this the other day because I, I flinched and I had a twinge of pain in my stomach and the person I was with was visibly worried and I said honestly this is absolutely nothing <laughs> this is just a general level of discomfort I would say that I live in a, le- a general level of discomfort every single day of my life in some way or another and that's not to be oh woe is me or dramatic it's just factual so I know now 
what what is pain to be worried about and what is just a part of my body <laughs> so, mm -hmm. so yeah as you say the the appendicitis diagnosis came because that's the type of pain that I was living with every single day and I couldn't walk couldn't eat or drink so I know that that's how bad it can get so I feel almost lucky on a daily basis now because I know that it could be much worse and it has been much worse and it might be again so I try to relish the fact that I'm only in mild discomfort at the moment. <laughs> right. You know the difference. Yeah. So you know, when did you first start? I think this is pretty universal, like I said, with chronically ill people. When did you first start experiencing, you know, feelings of guilt with having your conditions and, and what kind of situations triggered those feelings of guilt of being a burden? Um, well, I would say that Th those feelings probably started the minute I started to become unwell because mm. I was having to miss work I was I was underperforming at work because I just couldn't focus I couldn't um attend work some days I was having to leave early I was having to leave events or family occasions um so I was feeling guilty already about all of those things that I felt were lacking in me in terms of what I could and couldn't do and also because I didn't know what was wrong with me and I was visibly unwell. I was I was massively underweight. I think I'd gone down like five dress sizes in about two months. <laughs> so mm -hmm. rapidly losing weight and looking like a like skeletal. So I think I was feeling guilty because everyone around me was panic stricken and worried about what was happening to me. So that felt like that was my responsibility to find an answer as to why I was why this was happening to me. So I know that's not logic <laughs> logical. But that's how I felt at the time. And it, st it still is to a certain extent because I still feel that if I'm unwell, it's my duty to get myself well again in order to stop everyone else worrying about me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, which to an extent is true. But yeah, so I would say these, those feelings started the minute I become, became unwell and they've changed throughout the years and I've learned how to manage them a bit better. But they, they're still there. And I think they'll they always will be because I, I still worry about how my illness affects everyone else around me. I think yeah. that's normal, but I think it is. I, it is. I think it's very normal. I know I did because, you know, other people too, they have to, if you need to require help and things like, I mean, my parents had to kind of stop what they were doing in their lives and their retirement. I mean, my mom hadn't retired yet, but my dad was about to and had to stop everything to take me to doctors and to do all the stuff to, to take care of me when the pain was severe and all that. I just felt like I was taking away from their lives and I hated that. And then financially too, you know, doing all the treatments. And of course they were like, you know, we're going to figure out what's wrong. We're going to pay for this. And I was like, Oh no, you know, I'm draining their finances too. And and of course, they never thought of it, you know, logically, they're like, it's my baby, it's my child, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get her well. But in my brain, I was like, I am such a burden. And then with friends, I mean, it was so awkward to, especially when the depression got bad, mm -hmm. to kind of, to, you know, talk about it, because they never seen me like that, you know, where the depression was bad, and I was anxious, and even suicidal, and and they didn't know how to respond. And then I felt like I was putting too much on them. So then I always felt like I had to be like, I'm good. I'm okay. I, you know, I'm going to figure this out. I'll be fine. That old, that old favorite of <laughs> that I'm fine. Yeah. I, th I think they also don't understand. And as much as they want to, they, they can't really understand until, or unless you live with something like that, it's very difficult to 
put yourself in somebody else's shoes when they only get a glimpse of it. So, yeah, yeah it's, 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 it's very really hard. hard. Yeah. So I think it's an extremely natural response that we have, but it's like, how do you, how do you manage it? So how do you, how did you manage it over the years? Like, how did you come to kind of manage these feelings? Well, I'm certainly not an expert <laughs> on it because, as I said, I still feel like that the majority of the time. It's just not as um, intense as it, it was then, I think. And also, that helps because now my illness is managed for the most part. So there's not the confusion or the worry about what's happening. That only occurs when another <laughs> lovely little part of the illness springs up out of nowhere. So right. um, <laughs> those moments still happen, but not as bad. But I think in terms of managing those feelings now it's just being a bit more open with everyone so in the beginning I was very um adamant that I would do everything by myself and um again that's because I didn't want to feel like a burden so I would take myself to the hospital I would check myself out of the hospital I would do everything for myself even though I could barely stand or walk so I, I mean I, I can see now in my mind's eye how ridiculous that probably physically looked to everybody else <laughs> because I was a walking corpse, but I was, I'll do it, don't worry, don't you? <laughs> I might not be able don't, to- Don't burden yourself, I'm gonna do it myself. I'm a big, brave girl. Um, so, yeah, I think initially I, I, would, I would try and be very independent and in the relationship I was in at the time, again, I didn't want to, <laughs> sounds ridiculous even thinking about this now, but I didn't want to be seen as a sickly girlfriend or someone that he was gonna have to look after and, um, it just wasn't cool <laughs> to be ill so yeah, he didn't sign up for this so I think that was my main thought was that oh my god he's going to leave me and then I'll be alone and I'll have to deal with this by myself and so I think in my warped mind it was it was a case of well if you can do it yourself it'll be fine because then if it, when he inevitably does leave you then <laughs> you'll be fine it's not the reason he left yeah like <laughs> yeah so yeah that's not good advice whatsoever so do not follow that advice but what has worked for me now is just, as I say, being more open with everyone. So when I start to feel that maybe I'm um, becoming a burden or that or I start to have those feelings of guilt and anxiety about how people might be looking at me or, or thinking about me, I'll just explain it and say, look, is this too much? Or please say no if you can't do this. And I think that also comes with the trust that you put in other people. So I've learned who, I've got a very tight knit close circle of friends and really a close family um, and a lovely partner who are very kind and caring and thoughtful and will follow through on plans so I think in the past when people have offered to help me in some way and then not followed it through it feels almost rude to then say but you said you were going to do that didn't you yes. <laughs> why didn't you take me to the hospital I missed my appointment or whatever it might be it's just and, and now that I can trust I know who I can trust and rely on I don't feel burdensome towards them because I know that they if they offer to help me they, they want to do it and they will they will do it so and also they know from their side of it what they can and can't do so some friends will be really able to help me really practically by like giving me a lift or dropping off food or whatever I might need if I'm really unwell whereas other ones just are good for just listening to me gripe and moan about how terrible my life is because I've got this illness so um yeah I think it's it's over time you you learn who you can rely on and who you can trust and being open and honest with those people about how you feel has really helped me feel less burdensome when I, yeah. when I start to feel alone and a bit I mean I 
Yeah, and it's a process. It's definitely not something, and it'll be something you manage throughout your whole life. If you have an illness that you're going to have your whole life, it's going to be a process to your whole life. For me, it was it was that exactly what you said, finding those core people, but also looking at it logically, taking my emotion out of it a bit, you know, kind of looking at it and saying, okay, would I do this for them? 100%, I would do that in a heartbeat. So why am I not letting them do this for me? And why do I think that I'm a burden when they just want to help too, just like I would want to help them? And it is so hard because it depends on the personality too of you are, but yes, I don't, I'm, I'm independent. I don't like, but chronic illness kind of takes you down to where you have to depend on others for things because you literally cannot do it. And it's not a fun feeling. You don't want it, but it does kind of open that door in your brain where you're like, okay, like I have to, I have, I need help. So it's time for me to learn to do this. And also to realize, I think logically in my brain, I didn't ask to get sick. I didn't, none of us asked for these illnesses. None of us wanted these illnesses. So why in the world do we blame ourselves for it, you know, and punish ourselves? And I think that in turn, that just affects the mental health aspect. And it just is like a chronic cycle that's fairly hard to break. So by kind of stopping and saying, wait a minute, like logically I know better. And even though emotionally still I might feel it, logically I can work through it a little bit better, but it was not, it's still a process. Like there's still times where I'm like, oh, I feel like a burden to this person and I'm asking too much or, or whatever. And then, but in reality, I, I'm not, it's just that voice in your head that you're just like, it's too much. And <laughs> It, it does it does ebb and flow with how you feel as well and, and like you say it brings you down at times so a lot of it as well for me especially was to do with self-esteem so when I because my illness is a bowel disease it's got that kind of stigma around we don't talk about those sort of things because <laughs> it's disgusting <laughs> and I, for a while I thought that was the case and I, I just didn't speak about it because I thought that was what why would anybody want to talk about something like that? Because I'm a lady and it spills. But um, I think for a while it made me feel slightly humiliated and like you'd said earlier, just a bit worthless. That sounds like a dramatic word, but it's not. It's, it's how I felt for a while. So I think when you start to feel that way about yourself, it's difficult to think, why would anybody else want to help me or want to be in my life? Or And then that's, as you say, a cycle that just goes round and round. So you've got to try and break it. And that's difficult when you feel at your worst. So. Mm -hmm. definitely difficult and we kind of talked about relationships a little bit but we we find that our relationships can either benefit us or they can tax our mental health even more so how do you manage your mental health and your relationships now like including with you know, your boyfriend your family your friends well I think you hit the nail on the head for me as well when you said that you try and put yourself in their shoes in terms of well, I would do that in a heartbeat. So why wouldn't they do it for me? So I think the main one is that I try to remind myself that they <clears throat> love me as much as I love them. They, they only want the best for me. They want me to be healthy and happy and vice versa. That's how I feel about them. So I try to take any advice or um, gentle pushing as being given with love. <laughs> so when it does great or irritate me that they might say you've not phoned the doctor or why don't you try this 
which they rarely do now because they know that I explode. <laughs> so when that does happen, I try to take it with grace and um, accept it well. <laughs> but that can be a challenge when, when I think people around me think they know better than maybe a doctor or there's mm -hmm. generally not that many type of people in my life now because I've weeded them out. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but yeah, for the most part, I just allow people to help me a little bit more and that's helped both of us in every relationship in my life. So people want to be able to help me because they've seen how ill I have been and can be. So you'd mentioned my boyfriend. So my current boyfriend um, read my book before our first date. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he knows quite, quite a detailed amount about um, my illness and how I've managed um, how I've managed my life with it since then. So that was quite scary at first because it's, it's my fault because I wrote the book <laughs> so but at the, at the time I wrote the book I was with an ex-partner who I thought I was going to be with till we were old and grey so I didn't really think beyond well he knows everything anyway so what's the problem I didn't imagine I'd be back in the dating pool at any point so um so it was a bit a bit intimidating to but also it saved me a lot of having to explain myself over and over again it was it was very kind of him to have done that and showed that he was interested enough to learn and it saved me a lot of time and energy and explaining all the minutiae of my illness. Um, but yeah, it, it, it was a little bit um, a bit scary at first to think that everybody knows so much about you. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm going to learn that pretty quick with this podcast. They can just listen to the podcast and then... Yeah, just give them a link to the podcast. Yeah, so I, th I think, yeah, just again, for me, it's always just being open and I'm, I'm quite a big talker once I get started. So yeah. talking about everything that I've gone through and will go through and being open and honest about it and also about my mental health has really helped has helped my own mental health and it's helped people understand how to manage me in terms of um what I might need from time to time so I think forcing myself to be self-sufficient when it was actually dangerous for me was extremely unhelpful so I've learned to let help in and accept it a bit more um easily and openly because I can't think of an occasion when someone's helped me that it's been negative in any way <laughs> so I don't know why I view it that way it's very odd yeah again, again just coming back to being open and honest and, and being feeling comfortable enough with people that you love to be secure in the knowledge that whatever you say is not going to push anyone away yeah and that can take a while to let if that's happened in the past as well in other friendships relationships and with family it can be very difficult to come back from so I've had experiences like that where I've lost friends because they just couldn't cope with my illness or couldn't cope with even talking about it or thinking mm -hmm. how how would they fit into my life with, when this is going on. So that's really can be really hurtful and, and painful, but it also clears room for good people in your life that want to be there because they they love you and care about you and don't care that you might have this illness that, as you say, you didn't ask for. So yes. <laughs> And I think it's quality, not quantity. And I think you learn that as you go along the illness, you realize, and in life, I think in general too, you realize it doesn't matter how many friends you have. It just matters the good friends you have and the, the quality of friends you have. And will they be there in the bad times and the good times and your family too? Because not just because they're family, obviously doesn't mean that they're going to be there. Yeah. And communication is huge on both parts and kind of finding what ticks for them so that you know it works well between you and you both know you know a lot of it's communication but I know for me 
handling different situations with different people was and around my disease, like doctors and, and also, you know, when, when people offered advice, which you kind of touched on that, you know, you took a moment to realize where it was coming from. Cause I do think intention, like having a good intention when they tell you advice makes a huge difference when you're taking it. Now it can still like internally, I can still be doing eye rolls and things in my, in my brain, not out loud, but I'm like, really? No, but but I can still say, I know it's coming from a good place and they don't mean it in, in a bad intent. It doesn't mean that it doesn't always, you know, get you a little where you're just like, mm. but, <laughs> but, you know, how do you manage? I mean, you kind of touched on it a little, but with your friends and family, I mean, you said that now they kind of realize your illness is you've kind of done the gamut so they don't really get on you anymore with more advice. Sadly, this is all the time we have for today. Please tune in next week as Kathleen Nichols will discuss how she manages friends and family who offer advice, as well as her suggestions to those who wish to support a chronically ill loved one, and more about her two published books. To learn more about Kathleen Nichols, including her blog and books, Go to her website at www.kathfantastic.com. I will include her website as well as the links to both her books, Go Your Crone Way, A Gutsy Guide to Living with Crones, and My Flare Lady, A Handbook for Today's Diseased Dame, in the episode description. Thank you so much to Kath for being here today, and a little reminder that the feeling of being a burden is a feeling we all carry when chronically sick. This feeling can only compound our suffering, so try and remember that you did not ask for this condition, and you would help a loved one if they were in your shoes. Remind yourself of the facts, and remember you are not alone, and you are not your pain. Like the show? please subscribe and leave a review. Or to learn more about the show or how to become a guest, simply visit our website at www.iamnotmypainpodcast.org. That is iamnotmypainpodcast.org. Your story matters. We look forward to hearing from you. Hi, this is Keith. I am a martial arts therapist at the Hero Circle, a global healing and wellness initiative inspired by the children of kids kicking cancer. Would you like to discover the power of your breath while fueling the purpose of thousands of sick children across the globe? Simply check out our free adult meditation catalog at herocircle.org forward slash meditations. To learn more about our program and our inspirational little heroes, visit our website at herocircle.org. From all of us at the Hero Circle, we wish you a wonderful day. Power, peace, purpose.